Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. In our last episode, we talked a bit about self-fulfilling prophecy and evidence, how we find evidence of things to come that are good or bad, and they turn into self-fulfilling prophecy. We talked about a group of students, the teachers thinking those students would be sort of late bloomers and outpaced their counterparts, and they actually did. But it was because of the teacher's expectations about the students, not any real characteristic of the students themselves. We see this all the time. We see this play out in job interviews. We see it in race relations. We see it in marriage. Our expectations about other people and the way that we react to them based upon our expectations, have a great deal to do with how they actually perform and a great deal to do with how we actually perform. But I want to take some time in this episode to talk about self-fulfilling prophecy and expectations, especially about ourselves and how that changes who we are and what our life includes. In the last episode, we began by talking about a verse in the Bible that says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Self-fulfilling prophecy is the result of our faith, our assurance in things hoped for and evidence of things not seen, whether good or bad. Now, of course, in the Bible verse, we're talking about good things to come, but it works both ways. We look for evidence all the time. The kids trash the house. We say, who did this? We watch a crime show. What's the evidence? We listen to a scientist talk about how the universe works, and we say, show me some evidence of that. In relationships, we talk about evidence all the time. When we get in an argument with our spouse, not that I've ever experienced this, but but I've heard about it from other people. When we get in an argument or a disagreement with our spouse, we're very often listening to find evidence that they're wrong or evidence that they weren't paying attention, or evidence that, you know, it's their side of the family that's (laughs) responsible for all the craziness. So we look for evidence all the time. There's a saying that pops up very often when we're trying to prove something. And the earliest citation I can find of this, uh, of the current usage of the phrase at least, is by Arthur James Balfour, the first Earl of Balfour, But he said, there are three kinds of falsehoods, lies, damned lies, and statistics. Now, often we talk about this in the world of business and in the world of politics. Statistics can be assembled in such a way as to prove almost anything true or false, depending on the side that you're on. We use statistics or evidence to tell lies, damn lies, or statistics about ourselves. Sometimes the statistics we provide or the evidence we produce is about the good things we are or the good things we do. 
Somebody might say, I'm a good person. I do good things. I help the poor. I don't scream at anybody. I pay my fair share of taxes, and so on. Often it's true. We might know a person who really is the very pinnacle of goodness. And I do know some. I'm related to some. Often, we can find someone who really isn't good through and through, but provides these kinds of evidence to say things that justify an unwillingness to go out of their way to serve somebody else. I'm a good person. I don't scream at people. I pay my taxes. Why should I fill in the blanks? But our evidence is often used to rationalize bad feelings about ourselves. Now I'll tell you right now, this is a particular talent of mine. If I could get paid for this, I'd be a very wealthy man, in case you think you're the only one out there. Attacks on ourselves are often phrased in a way that shows what we believe we are, despite our actions for good. We say, I am, I am this kind of bad person. And we ignore any evidence to the contrary. I'm a bad person. I have too many flaws. I've made too many mistakes. I have done too many things that were wrong. I have too many hidden flaws. I have too many pet sins. Really? Too many for what? Too many to overcome? By yourself, maybe. There is no too many. There isn't some state that you can reach that makes you irredeemable. And yet we believe this irrefutable evidence about ourselves and find more and more to stack on top of it until the burden becomes too heavy to bear. We often come to a conclusion at the end of this kind of talk that says, if people really knew how bad I am, they would abandon me. Now, all of this is an evidence problem, and it's an evil one. Our evidence can even exacerbate or produce depression, and it forms a vicious cycle. Dr. Alan Schwartz said, quote, all of us, have to clear ourselves of this poor me way of thinking. It is not helpful and not realistic. Negative thinking is contagious because it leads to negative talk and the self-fulfilling prophecy. If you convince yourself that your life is awful, then you go about making your life awful." Unquote. Counter-arguments against your evidence can be found in what you do for good despite your flaws. As far as I know, there's only been one perfect person who ever walked the earth, and it's not you or me. The counter-argument against your negative evidence is especially true when your intentions are to do good, despite your human foibles. If you try to show love to your family and friends, if you try to care about strangers, if you want to make the world better, if you have done good when nobody saw it, if you have sacrificed for your family 
friends, or even someone you didn't know, if you've tried to improve yourself, if you have learned good life lessons, if you have gained wisdom through experience, if you love God, if you cultivate hope, if you treat others with kindness, if you persevere, if you're trustworthy. Now, I'm about to jump in right here to the Scout Law. I memorized this as a boy, and it's a really good measuring stick. If you have ever been or tried to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, or reverent, you have some evidence. If you want to improve, you have evidence. If you try to forgive, you have evidence. If you laugh in adversity, you have evidence. My grandma was prone to laugh at a lot of things. When situations got difficult, often she would just laugh them off and shrug her shoulders and get on with her life. It's something for which I greatly admire her. I heard a story of when she and Grandpa were fairly young and had young children at home, and they were farmers, and went to town one day to do something, and when they came back, they noticed that one of the kids had left the door ajar, and one or more cows had gotten into the house. And the cows left their own evidence in patty shape all over the house. Grandma could have thought it was a disaster and yelled at the kids and made a big deal out of it and ruined the whole afternoon or day or week or year or life, but she didn't. She looked at it, shrugged her shoulders, burst out laughing and said, all right, let's clean it up and chuckled about it for years afterward. You get to decide which evidence you will carry around and how you will carry it. The bad stuff that you search up and find and cling to about yourself is very, very heavy. The more you accumulate and the longer you carry it, the heavier it gets until it's completely overwhelming. Some people literally lose their will to live over the evidence they themselves have provided about how bad they are. The good evidence you provide about yourself actually makes your burden lighter and lighter and lighter as time passes. As you age, as you go through more difficulty, as you deal with more stuff, your burden is less heavy than it was before. It's a great thing. So to unload the bad stuff and lighten your load, here are some things you can do. First, Write every bad thought, every bad belief that you have about yourself on paper. Then, burn it. I'm not joking. Now, if you can't light a fire where you live because, you know, you'd take the apartment building down or get in trouble in some way, put it through a shredder, do whatever you have to do to completely destroy that. When these kinds of feelings crop up again, write them down, destroy them. Write them down and destroy them. Don't carry them around. Number two, write all of the good things you can think of about yourself and your life. You may, over on the side, write the things you admire in others 
and how your experiences have paralleled theirs in some way and how you might learn from them. Be very detailed. Be very consistent. Do this every day. Some people do this in the form of a gratitude journal. If your gratitude journal includes expressions of gratitude about the things you have done that have been good, and the things about yourself that you are learning to become, the good things that you are, then a gratitude journal is a great place to put it. There's your evidence. Number, where am I? Three, be very, very careful with your self-talk and your communication with others. I have a friend who for years bothered me because every time we would get together, this person would be talking about, oh, I can't do this and I can't do this and it's the end of the world and woe is me. And I used to say to my wife, boy, that person is such a victim. I'm afraid that I probably expected that kind of communication and subconsciously created more of it, for which I feel ashamed. As I learned a little bit more about that person's life, I realized that this individual was indeed a victim and just doing the best they could. I'm learning more about my talk about or around others and my self-talk. Please be very careful about this. Your self-talk and your talk with other people will become self-fulfilling prophecy. It cannot be avoided. This is how our minds work, and our subconscious doesn't know the difference between real and imagined, for good or bad. Be careful about the evidence that you create. Now let me tell you what will happen if you find the evidence of things not seen that are good. You will find happiness. You will find improved health and better immune response. You will find deeper, more fulfilling relationships. You will find more gratitude, and you will find less fear. Your entire life can be transformed by these things that we're talking about. Focusing on all that is good and true, including what is good and true about you, becomes the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Do this every single chance you get. Treat yourself as that person you are becoming. Treat others the same way and ignore everything else. It will change your life. I can help you with this and help you provide some of that evidence. To get started, go to natewalkercoaching.com and in the contact area in the comments section, tell me some things you're thinking about or ways that I can help you. If you'd like, you can take the Habit Finder assessment linked from that same website and you and I will schedule a time to go through it together and find out how I can help you best. We'll talk again soon. <music>